The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Amen. Thank you for that good music. Brothers and sisters, let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Acts in the New Testament. Acts chapter number 18. If you're visiting with us today and you're unfamiliar with the Scripture, there's a Bible in the seat back in front of you. And you find on the table of contents the book of Acts in the New Testament. We're going to be in uh, chapter number 18 today. And uh, for those of you that like planning and thinking about the future, just so you know where we're going, we're going to finish up uh, before Easter uh, the book of Acts, and then we'll start a new series on Easter Sunday morning. And uh, the title of the message, I don't often have it uh, this far in advance, but the title of the message for Easter Sunday morning is, What is Our Only Hope in Life and Death? Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you to invite your friends, family, co-workers, neighbors. We want to uh, fill the Lord's house on Easter Sunday that we might explain to them what is our only hope in life and death. We're going to have a great time and looking forward to that. Please be in prayer. Please be working toward that great weekend. We'll have Good Friday service and then a community-wide Easter egg hunt for all of the folks around us that Saturday and then Easter Sunday morning. We'll have a brunch at 10 o'clock. We'll have our service and great music that day. And uh, we'll hear from the Lord's Word. Acts chapter number 18. Would you read silently along with me as I read the first 11 verses or so of this chapter? So the Bible says, After these things, he, that being Paul... He left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. He came to them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them, and they were working, for by trade they were tent makers." And he was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade the Jews and Greeks. But when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the Word, solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when they resisted and blasphemed, he shook off his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles." And then he left there and went to the house of a man named Titus, Justus, a worshiper of God whose house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord with all his household, and many of the Corinthians, when they heard, were believing and being baptized. And the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be as silent. For I am with you, and no man will attack you in order to harm you. For I have many people in this city. And he settled there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. I wasn't going to do this, but I think you need to see God's provision in verse number 12 through 17. We'll deal with that at another time. But God made a promise to Paul that nobody would come after him to harm him. So look at how God fulfills that in verse number 12 through 17. But while Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him before the judgment seat saying, This man persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. 
But when Paul was just about to open his mouth and defend himself, Gallio said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrong or a vicious crime, oh Jews, it would be reasonable for me to put up with you. But if there are questions about words and names and your laws, look after it yourself, and I am unwilling to be a judge of these matters. And he, he drove them away from the judgment seat. And so what did they do? They, they all took hold of Sothenes, the leader of the synagogue. This guy had become a born-again man and began beating him in front of the judgment seat. But Gallio was not concerned about any of these things. And so God had made a promise in verse number 9 and verse number 10 to the Apostle Paul that even in that city no harm would come to him. And you can see that played out in these verses. And so today we just want to kind of look at a few uh, thoughts from verse number 1 through verse number 11. And we want to consider the topic here of, uh, you know, what do you do when you feel like quitting? What do you do when you feel like quitting? And, and, you know, all of us at one point or another in our life feel like quitting. And can I just go ahead and maybe get this, just clear the air with everybody here today. And in case you're kind of a pious person and you say, I've never quit anything in my life. Yeah, you have. Yeah, everybody in this room has quit something at one. You probably quit a diet. In fact, some of you probably already quit the diet that you started January 1st. You know that. Some of you have quit a board game. Uh, you ever play a board game with somebody and uh, maybe when you're a kid, play a board game and just about the time you have all of the money and monopoly and you own the property, the guy that you're playing with or the gal that you're playing with says, oh, I got to go. It's time to go eat. My mom wants me to come home. They just want to quit before the game's over so that they don't get beat. You know, you were that person, weren't you? You quit at something at one time or another in your life. I remember when I was in high school playing basketball. I, I might have told you before, but I, you know, I played, and um, we were just a small Christian high school, and so sometimes we only have five guys to put on the court. And so my buddies and I, we have five, maybe six guys, and we would do really good in like the first and second quarter. By the fourth quarter, we were gassed. We didn't have anything left. And so many times we would get beat by like 60 points. And there would be cheerleaders over in the corner with pom-coms going, we're number one, we're number one. Our team is dynamite, our team is tick, 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 boom. They, come on, y'all didn't have that? Y'all didn't have them cheerleaders? And I'm running down the court, I'm gassed, I've got sweat all over the place, and they're talking about we're dynamite, we're not, we ain't number one, we're not even number 50. We're losers. And you just feel like giving up, feel like quitting. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know, look, everybody at some point in the life has given up, has quit on some. And I've got some parents in here today. You're saying, yeah, my kid quit on the piano, quit on the banjo, quit on the, right? It happens, you know, a child says, I want to play the piano. I want to be, I want to be a great piano player. And then six months later, they, you know, they got dust all over the piano. So let's just clear the air and say this. All of us in here at one point or another have quit on something. I want to encourage you today, and, and here's really the take home from today. When it comes to the Christian life, when it comes to sharing the gospel, when it comes to being the believer that God wants you to be, don't give up. Don't quit. I probably shouldn't have quit, and I probably shouldn't have quit on my teammates when, the, uh, when we were down by 60, but you know that happens. But you know what? That's one thing because there is no grand prize at the end. But when it comes to Christianity, I want all of you to understand that part of the reason, part of the impetus for us not to quit but to go on and to do hard work and to live for the Lord Jesus Christ is that we've already won the victory. Amen? 
Jesus Christ has already died. He's already rose again. And one day He is coming again. We have the victory in sight. And so I just want to encourage you today. Look, if sometimes when I preach sermons, uh, we, step on, uh, we step on toes. And if it, maybe, it, maybe the people that didn't come today, they missed out on the one sermon in 52 weeks that you're going to get encouragement rather than your toes stepped on. But today, I just want to lift us all up from the text and I want to encourage you, don't quit in your Christian life. Don't quit when it comes to sharing the gospel. Don't quit when it comes to being the believer that God wants you to be. Now let's put our attention back at the text. I'll just make three simple points for you today. Here's the first point. How is it that we don't quit? I would say this, by learning to lean on godly friends. If you want to make it in the Christian life and don't quit, learn to lean on godly friends. There's going to come a time in your life where you're weak, where you're wounded, where you've been hurt, where you feel like giving up, where you feel like maybe Christianity isn't for you, or maybe you just need to cool your jets and lay off and lay out of church and lay off the Bible and lay off uh, sharing the gospel and not pray and just kind of, I just want to live like everybody else. I don't let that go. I'm tired of that kind of Christian life and all that comes with that. I don't want to quit. I want to say in those times, well, you need to do is to lean on godly friends. Look back down to the text if you would. It says in verse number one, after these things, he left Athens and went to Corinth. Now, brothers and sisters, when the apostle Paul left Athens, he didn't leave in the greatest of ways. Some of the people came to faith in Christ. Some of the other people hated him and mocked him. And before that, they had stoned him at least twice and drug him back into the city. The apostle Paul had gone through many trials and many heartaches and many pains. And look at what happens in verse number two. And he found a Jew named Aquila and a native uh, of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because, why? Because Claudius had commanded all of the Jews to leave Rome. See, there was all kinds of pressure and there was all kinds of persecution that was going on. And look at verse number three. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and they were working for, by trade, they were tent makers. And look at what happens in verse number 5. But when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the Word. I want you to turn to the end of the chapter. I just want to show you this. There is a man in the end of this chapter named Apollos who is preaching the Word and he is, uh, he, he is doing right, but he needs a little bit more instruction. And look at this, uh, these folks, Aquila and Priscilla. Look at verse number 26. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. I just want to stop for a moment and say this. When the Apostle Paul gets here, he goes up there every day and he's trying to convince the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. And we'll read in a minute. He gets so exasperated. He gets so frustrated that he finally says to the Jews in the synagogue, I quit. I wash my hands of you. You can go to hell in a handbasket is basically what he's saying. I'm taking, hey, I'm going to take my toys and I'm playing in a different sandbox. The Apostle Paul is so frustrated. He's so upset. But what is going on right in the middle of all of the heartache and all of the pain and all of the desire to quit in the Christian life and to quit sharing the gospel? He is working with Aquila and Priscilla being tent makers. They're loving him. They're encouraging him. They're walking with Him. They're being faithful to the mission of God. 
What about later in the chapter with Apollos? Apollos isn't so much in the way that the Apostle Paul is. He's having great success. He's seeing the Lord bless. He's seeing all of these kind of things where the Apostle Paul was not having success with the Jews. Apollos was winning them over by many convincing proofs that Jesus was the Christ. But what do Aquila and Priscilla do then? They show themselves to be great friends for they are teaching him more holy in the way of God. Hey, church, when you feel like quitting in your Christian life, don't isolate. You know what most believers do? When you're frustrated and depressed and you, you, just, you just don't feel your faith and you just feel like things are not the way that they should be and your soul is not whole before the Lord, a lot of us have this uh, desire to kind of be a recluse, to be isolated, to stay away from people. I don't want to be around them. I don't need to be around them. I'm going to solve my problem in my own little shed by my own little self. And I want to say to you, that is not the way that God intended it. When you're struggling in the Christian life, you need to lean on godly friends. Let me make a few application points here for you. That's the reason why church and your Sunday school class or a small group, it's why these things are so important. Because you're able to come to a Sunday school class, or you're able to come to church, and you're able to fellowship with other believers who are like-minded, who are struggling in the same areas of life of you, and you're able to draw strength and mercy and grace from their life, and they are able to speak into your life. And so what we need to do is be the kind of church that isn't isolating when we feel depressed and when we feel like quitting, but we're coming together all the more as we see the day approaching, that we are drawing strength from each other, not just individually by ourselves. I can handle this. I can do this. I don't need anybody else. Yes, you do. You need godly friends in your life. And let me, let me open up that wound and play around a little bit more and pour some salt in there. Notice I didn't say just any friends. You need to learn to lean on godly friends. Because all of us have that friend, right? And, uh, and you could say anything to them and all they're oh yeah, that's exactly what you ought to do. They don't know anything from the world. They're not walking with the Lord. Listen, I'm not telling you not to love and, and be friends with folks at work and in your neighborhood and maybe even extended family members, but you need to find some good, godly, wholesome people that can be friends in your life who will speak truth into your life in love. Not just be a yes man for your life. Not just say, yeah, that's right, you ought to leave your wife. She doesn't look the way that she used to. She doesn't do this the way that she did. That's okay, you, you can watch that. You can see that. It's okay for you to flirt with her. I want to tell you, you need the kind of friends in your life that will hold your feet to the gospel fire and say, that is wrong, and this is the way, this is how you should walk. You need the kind of friends that when you're mopey and you're down and you feel like it's the end of the world, you need the kind of friends that will come alongside and broaden your view and help you to remember that the world does not revolve around you. And yes, you do have problems. Yes, there are frustrations and hurts and pains and anxieties, but there is a great world and a great kingdom and that God is interested in the whole world coming to Christ, not just at all revolving around you. You need that kind of friend in your life. You need the kind of friend in your life that will speak to you and say something like this to you. You know what? You need to get right with Jesus. 
You ever see that Snickers commercial where the person is hungry and they've not had a Snickers bar and they're just mean and ornery? And one of their friends tosses them a Snickers bar and says, here, have one of these. And then they get back to normal. That's the kind of friend you need in your life. You need a gospel Snickers bar friend that will toss it to you and say, you're acting like a jerk. Get right with Jesus. Now, they might not say it like I say it. If you feel like quitting in the Christian life, you need to surround yourself with godly friends. Not those who will just uh, speak softly to you, but those who will speak the truth in love to you and walk with you down life's way. The Apostle Paul, he had options. He could have just gone on to be a tent maker. He could have provided for himself. But no, Aquila and Priscilla, they made tents with him. They worked with him. They served with him. But they continued to push him back into the gospel ministry. And what do Paul and Silas do? How good of friends are they? They're preachers too. They're young guys. They want to rule the world and they want to have the big church. They want to see God do all these great things. And when Paul and Silas get there, they go to work so that the Apostle Paul can and give all of his full attention to the Word of God and to the synagogue. Are you that kind of friend? We need godly friends. Godly friends. There's some of you in here today and you feel like quitting. You feel like quitting your spouse. You feel like quitting the church. You feel like quitting your Christianity. There's some areas of holiness and righteousness that you started out well on, but now you've kind of eased off and fallen back from. You need to let some godly friends speak into your life. Will you do that today? Would you be willing to contact? Maybe here's an action point for you. Maybe sometime in the next week, would you find someone who you love and who is a good friend to you. And would you just ask them, what do you see in me that needs to change? Give them some space and give them some time because I promise you that they're, they're not going to want to answer that for you right away. They're going to feel awkward about that. But if you give them a safe space to land, you can talk to that person and say, hey, listen, I just need to know. I want to be closer to Jesus. I want to be right. I feel like at my, my wit's in. I'm not walking with Jesus the way that I should be. What do you see in my life that needs to change? Please be honest with me. Please talk to me. And when they do tell you, if they tell you, if they're bold enough to tell you, don't chew their head off. Listen to it. I want to encourage you. If you want to make it in the Christian life and you're close to quitting, find some good, godly friends that will lead you to Jesus and speak truth in your life. Here's the second thing. If you're close to quitting, not only learn to lean on good, godly friends, you know what? Just back up there for just a minute. I'm gonna. I'll write a little bit later this week. I'll try and write and put it put it on the website. Hey, listen. Maybe some of you here today, you're not at the point of quitting, but you know somebody who is. I can. Is that right? Maybe some of you here today, you're a believer, but you you don't feel like quitting, but you know somebody who is. 
I want to try and give you some pointers about how to be a good godly friend to somebody who feels like quitting. Let me just throw these out at you just for a second. This is kind of a, uh, this won't even cost you an extra dime, not even a part of the sermon, all right? Listen, when you want to be a godly friend to somebody, don't, don't say a bunch of cute uh, um, statements that are meaningless. Pat them on the back. Well, it'll make you bitter or make you better, brother. That's stupid. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That is goofy. What doesn't kill you might maim you. Is that correct? Don't tell. Don't, don't, don't be the kind of friend that says a bunch of dumb statements. Something you heard some country pastor say sometime. Be the kind of person... I mean, just, I'll just throw these two in. Be the kind of person that prays for and prays with somebody who's close to quitting. Get both of those. Don't just tell somebody, I'll pray for you, I'll pray for you, I'll pray for you. No, you won't. You don't, I don't. Right? Repent of that. If you tell somebody you're going to pray for them, pray for them. But don't just pray for them, pray with them. You see, there's a big difference in that. When you pray with somebody... You actually, I want you to put your hands on them. I know it's flu season, and Jamie, put your elbows on them or whatever you got to do. Pray with somebody. See, when you pray with somebody that's close to quitting, you're not holding them at a distance and hoping things work out. You've now invested your life in what's going on, and they're going to suck life out of you. Are you ready for that? Not just praying for somebody, but praying with somebody. Put your hands on them. Pray with them. Minister to them. Yeah. We need friends that we can lean on. I want to encourage you that if you're here today and you feel like quitting as a believer, there are friends in this church. There are people struggling just like you. Don't isolate. Don't go away. Come. And let the Lord and let God's people minister to you. Here's the second thing today. When you feel like quitting... Labor for the sake of Jesus. Labor for the sake of Jesus. Look what he says here in verse number 5. He says, But when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the Word. Right? Solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. And look, keep reading with me. But when they resisted and they blasphemed, he shook his garments. You see how he's right at the end of his robe. Your blood be on your own heads. I'm clean from now on. I'm going to the Gentiles. And then he left there and he went to the house of the man named Titus Justus, a worshiper of God whose house was next to the synagogue. I've been kind of just milling that over in my mind all week. Let me just make a couple of points. In fact, look at the end of chapter number 18. What does it say in verse number 26 of this guy? Or verse number... Um, um, Verse number 28, For He powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by the Scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. For, for my theological students, what you might want to do on your off time is just compare and contrast the first 12 verses and the last 8 verses of chapter number 18. Really, the Apostle Paul and Apollos, you will find some great comparisons and contrasting going on in that chapter. But what I want you to understand is when you feel like quitting, labor for the sake of 
of Jesus. Even if you can't labor for the sake of the people that you want, just say in your heart, I know this is what Christ wants and He's worthy of all glory and honor and praise. This is what He's called me to. Whether it's a good soft ground where great fruit is coming up and we're reaping a hundredfold or whether it is a hard rocky soil and there's very little that's coming up from that, I'm going to labor for the sake of Christ for the kingdom glory of God and the good of the world. But even if you can't do it for the good of others, do it for Jesus. Yeah, I'm just getting real with you. There are times in ministry and there are times in your Christian life where you want to be others focused, but people have hurt you. Where frustration has taken place. Where you don't feel like you're seeing what you want to see. You have to back up in those moments when you feel like quitting and say, wait a second. The labor that I give, I give to the glory of Christ because He died on the cross to save my own sins. And this is what He has called me to. And so whether I see everything that I want to horizontally or not, I'm going to give glory to God and serve Him alone. I love the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is serving. And you know what God tells Ezekiel? I mean, this is, is this what you want to hear, all of you that want to be called to preach? God tells Ezekiel on the front end. I mean, he hadn't even been to seminary yet. God says to Ezekiel, hey, I'm going to send you to a stiff-necked and hard people. Really? I mean, who signs up for that? I mean, what search committee puts that up as, this is what we're looking for, this is the church we have. We are stiff-necked, hard, resentful, gossiping people. Come be our pastor. This is what you want, right? Nobody does that. Ezekiel. And you know what God tells Ezekiel? You go there, and you labor among the hard people that they might know that a prophet of God has been among them. Hmm. Not so that you'd see the greatest results. Not so that you would get all of the glory, but so that He would get all of the glory and the people would know that God is real. Amen? Hey, listen, translate that into your own life. Whether that's with your children, whether that's in your spousal relationship, whether that's at your work, with your friends, whatever's going on in your life right now and you feel right at the point of quitting. And whether Hey, there's some folks in here, even in your marriages, Sometimes you can't even serve because you're so happy with the other person. But sometimes you can stay in it and stay faithful and stay loving the Lord because you're laboring for Christ. Amen. When you feel like quitting, labor for the Lord and be devoted to the Word of God. Isn't that what it says? The Apostle Paul devoted himself to the Word. Apollos devoted himself to the Scripture. If you say, how do, I, how do I become more devoted to Jesus in my life? And no matter what's going on around me and how much I feel like quitting, how do I become more devoted to Jesus in my life? Become devoted to the Scriptures because these are they that testify of Him. Some of you in here, you're dealing with sins, besetting sins in your life. And man, you're in discipleship. You're trying to grow. You're trying to change. Can I tell you this? I think I might have even said this on Wednesday. I forget when I said You know, one of the hardest parts about discipleship is that discipleship, a call to discipleship is a call to change. 
right? Christ comes to us. He saves us. And as we walk in Christ, there are parts about our life that He says that needs to change. That needs to be conformed to the image of Jesus. That needs to be more looking like me in your life. And it's hard work. And I just want to say, don't quit where you are. Stay faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. Stay faithful to the Word of God and He'll change you from the inside out. If you feel like quitting today, Lean on godly friends and labor for the cause of Christ. Some of you have been sharing the gospel the past several weeks. We've been talking about sharing the gospel and inviting folks to church and working on all of that. And you say, man, I've invited, I've done everything and nobody has showed up. Listen, it's okay. Just do it for the cause of Jesus. Because He's worthy. Isn't that right? Jesus is worthy of all of this. And if Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, if Jesus says, make disciples of all nations, then just give yourself over to it for Jesus, even if you can't do it for anybody else. And you'll find that He'll bless your life. And you'll take one step and put another in front of another, and you'll make it. So when you're hurting, when you feel like quitting, lean on godly friends. Labor for the cause of Christ. And let me just say lastly from the text, Look to the promise of God. Look at, uh, look at verse number um, look at verse number nine. And the Lord said to Paul, in a night vision, "Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent." I had to wrestle with this this week to kind of think through it a little bit. Verse number 10, "For I am with you, and no man or no one will attack you." in order to harm you, for I have many people in this city. Now we need to be true to the text and we need to be true to the time and make sure that we don't use a promise that isn't given to us, right? We want to be careful with the way we use the Bible. The promise that's made in that text is, I will be with you and nobody in this city is going to rise up and harm you. That promise isn't made to everybody at all times. In fact, there have been a lot of times throughout history where people have risen up to hurt and even take the lives of believers and they've had to die as martyrs or die right even in the faith. Just read the book of Hebrews chapter number 11. The first half is all about God doing miracles for people. The last half is all about people giving their life over even in death for the Lord. So the promise isn't made to us that nobody in this city will rise up against us. If we share the gospel and love people and tell them about Christ and tell them that there is a hell and there is a heaven and that Jesus is the only only way. People will persecute you. People will say things. You might lose some friends. There there might be some hardships. God doesn't make that promise to us. But on the beginning end of that, there is a promise that is made of all times to all people for us who are believers in Jesus Christ. He says, and I will be with you. And from the very beginning of Genesis to the very end of the book of Revelation, the very kingdom of God is that God is with us. That's what the word Emmanuel means in the book of Exodus. God says, I will be with you. I will go with you. I am the God is there. And Jesus always promises, even in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, He says, and I will be with you to the end of the age. Jesus is with us all the time. Amen? Man, that sounded weak, but that's all right. The promise of God is that you're never alone. Now, 
don't you just let that sit in in your life for a minute? Because I know there's some brothers and sisters in this room right now that you feel alone. You might even be surrounded with people in your life, but you feel lonely. I want you to always remind yourself to look to the promise of God that you are not alone. That God is with you. And He does love you. And His very presence is real. And you can lean on Him and talk to Him. And He will minister to you in the deepest hurts of your life. If you feel like quitting today, you need to remind yourself that God is with you. I think the Apostle Paul probably felt like quitting, but he didn't. I'll just show you this. I, I've been kind of messing around in my mind with this this week. Turn back to ver, uh, verse, number, verse number 6. I've just been meditating and thinking about this this week. But when they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I mean, just let that sit in for a minute. That's real life. He was frustrated. He wanted to see people get saved and they weren't. And not only were they not getting saved, they were blaspheming and resisting him and sometimes even beating him up. And he was frustrated. And brothers and sisters, sometimes we get frustrated in the war, trying to share the gospel, trying to see God grow. We're trying to break into the community that's around us. And sometimes I, I, sometimes I rack my brain just thinking like, man, Lord, we're a beautiful church in a beautiful neighborhood. How do we reach into the communities that are around us and see those men and women and boys and girls uh, coming to faith in Christ? And now some of that stuff gets frustrating, even in your own life and those kinds of things. Hey, listen, that's real life. But look at what he does. Your blood be on your own heads. Well, I would encourage you not to say that to lost people. <laughs> uh, unless you're the Apostle Paul, I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Now, just watch verse number 7 and see if you can't live in that text for a moment. See if you can't put yourself with the Apostle Paul. Luke's there. Paul and Timothy, Aquila and Priscilla, Titus. Look what he does in verse number. Then he left there. And he went to the house of a man named Titus Justus, a worshiper of God whose house was next to the synagogue. All week I've just been kind of thinking about it. I even looked at that in multiple translations. I looked at that in the original trying to make sure, see what's going on there. But it really, that's exactly what it says. And the whole week I just have this image that like the Apostle Paul is over here in the synagogue on the Sabbath. He's preaching the gospel. He's reasoning from them. He's telling them, you need to get right with God. You need Jesus. Lay down your sins. Come to Jesus. And they're resisting and blaspheming. He's so frustrated. He, he just says, you know what? I've had it with you. And there's frustration. You feel like quitting. But you know what the Apostle Paul does in verse number 7? Excuse me, sir. If you died today, would you go to heaven? Right next door. He doesn't quit and walk away from the ministry. He doesn't walk away from his family. He doesn't give up on Christ and what Jesus has done for him. He, he learns to, to lean on his good godly friends that are around him. He says, you know what? My labor may not even... If nobody else gets saved, I'm going to labor for Jesus. He listens to the promise of God and he walks next door and shares the Gospel. I want to encourage you. 
walk next door and share the Gospel with somebody in your neighborhood. When you feel like quitting, go one more step. When you feel like throwing in the towel, go a little bit further. Because what we are serving and who we are serving is the greatest vision in all of the world and the greatest King in all of the world. I was watching... uh, Give me two minutes. We'll finish up here. I was watching... uh, Last Sunday, uh, 30 for 30, it's, a, it's a, like a documentary that comes on. It came on early in the morning. I recorded it. It's the one on uh, Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick. I don't know if any of y'all watched that or not. But I was watching. It was a great documentary on all of their winning of the Super Bowls. And both of them to a person, they're sitting there in this interview, and they said, there is no feeling, there is no feeling in the entire world like winning the Super Bowl. You can't describe it. You can't own it. It's just, if you've never had it, you've never understood the greatest feeling in all of the world is winning the Super Bowl. And I thought, how very, very sad. The greatest feeling I've ever had in the world was sitting in a Dunkin' Donuts a few years ago with uh, Colin Devlin, who at that time had no idea how to be saved. And I got to share the Gospel with him. And he said back to me, he said, I feel like I'm in a prison of my own sin. How do I get out of this? And I tried to tell him, I was explaining the gospel. Man, I wish I could tell you that I'm the one that led him to Jesus, but actually Billy Graham did. He shared the gospel. The next day he went to work. He started watching on YouTube Billy Graham sermons. And there's Billy Graham preaching in the 1970s about putting your faith in Christ. And right there, Colin God said, greatest feeling in all the world. Let me tell you something. Eternal matters are always greater than temporal matters. If you feel like quitting today on God, don't. Because it's not temporal. I probably shouldn't have given up in that basketball game, but I'm telling you, when you're down by 60 and you're in high school and you're gassed, there's no eternal value in that, okay? We were going to lose. There was no grand comeback. But when it comes to Jesus Christ in your life, you serve the greatest King in all the world. We have the greatest mission in all the world. Don't give up. Stay faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's how, we, here's how I want to just kind of bring this to a close today. What do, what do I want you to know? I don't want you to give up on Christ and in all the little facets of your life. I want you to stay faithful to Jesus. Can't you see for a moment what it would look like if you would just stay faithful to Jesus? Stay faithful to Jesus and Love the people and the relationships in your life one more day. Stay faithful to Christ and keep battling the sins that so easily beset you. Stay faithful to Christ and share the Gospel one more time. Invite one more person. Stay at it one more time. And what might God do if like the Apostle Paul, we don't quit we stay faithful. Just bow your heads with me. Close your eyes just for a moment. Brothers and sisters, while you pray quietly, I just want to remind you, I said to you, lean on godly friends. When Jesus went to the cross, He was deserted by all of His friends. I said to you, be faithful to the cause of Christ. And the Bible says that 
that his face was set like a flint. And in the face of everything in the world and the devil, he was faithful to the cross for you. I said, listen to the promise of God that He is with us all the time. And I remind you that on the cross, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the face of all of our failures and all of the times we quit, I want to remind you today that the mercies of God are new every morning in Jesus Christ. Where you have failed, where you have come short, where you have quit, where you have given up, Jesus did not. He was faithful. So as you pray, why don't you go to Him? Why don't you lean on Him? Say, Lord Jesus, help me. Help me not to isolate, but to be with my godly friends. Help me to be faithful to the mission and the cause of Christ. Help me to believe and preach to myself that You're with me every day. Maybe you're in here today and you don't know Jesus. I tell you that He died and rose again that you might have eternal life. You don't have to fight and try and conquer life by yourself. In fact, for some of you, you need to look inwardly for a moment and realize that where you are in life, you've gotten there by being on your own. Put your faith and confidence in Jesus Christ alone. And the brothers and sisters in this place will walk with you. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.